Hello. Welcome to Human Tech, a podcast about the intersection between humans and technology. My name is Guthrie. I'm here, Susan. Hey, Susan. Hi, Guthrie. And we are uh, we're getting back to our sort of uh, uh, we're gonna do a regularly podcast topic. Yeah, we had um, we had a series we did. If you guys haven't listened to that, you may want to listen to that with our friend Dean Barker, and we did this long series on object oriented programming. I came up with a new name for that. Oh, did you? I did. A little late, but sure. <laughs> um, but I mean, I don't know if you like the name, but it even has initials. So it's uh, object modeling for design, OMD. Anyway, but that's not what we're talking about today. We're switching topics. Is that right, Guthrie? Uh, yeah, uh, that is that is correct. We're uh, we're just we're just doing doing uh, more, doing more our podcast thing. stuff. Yeah. Um. So, uh, do you want me to talk about today's topic? Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about um, UX teams, and uh, you'll have to tell me what the, the the official terms are. But okay. um, it's the idea, pros and cons of doing stuff with UX teams on a project basis uh, or a like a team basis. So, Wait a minute, what do you mean project versus team? Yeah, exactly. So uh, a project basis, and this may sound familiar, and this could apply to other, I don't want to say industries, but other, uh, other groups, working, groups together. working together, is you have like, um, uh, think of it like an architecture firm, right? We're going to design a building. So here's the project. It's, you know, 15th West Central or whatever it is. And the, 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 this is the project and we start the project at the beginning of the project and there are other people we have meetings and blah 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 and we kind of take it through and then we um you know we get to the here and then this part maybe someone else works on this and then we get to the end of the project and we finished our work and we pass it off to whatever or the building is completed or whoever you know i'm not saying when you start when you stop but basically the team works together you finish the project and then you move on to the next project so it's 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 project sort of oriented yeah um, uh, in a ux team this could look like um a uh, you know we're, we're redesigning the login screen of the so-and-so app and that's the project and there's some people working on it and they redesign the screen and it gets approved and then it goes out to, you know, development or whatever implementation. And then they get another, you know, they get put on another project and, you know, okay, this time we're doing a whole rework of the so-and-so, you know, um, dashboard. Okay. The such and such widget. Uh, so, so it's, it's project based. Okay. Um, that's one way of working on stuff uh features of project-based things is uh, there is a sort of a a beginning and an end to projects Mm -hmm. um you kind of finish it and you know wash your hands off and then move on to the next project 
uh, projects are fairly modular. So sometimes if it's a small project, you may be working on it alone or maybe with one, you know, another person. Mm -hmm. It's a big project. You could be working, the whole UX team could be, you know, all hands on deck on this one big project. So it's sort of, uh, it is flexible in terms of who you're working with um, and the, the resources. Mm -hmm. uh, it's often different types of, you know, if you're a big company, maybe there's different types of projects. Um, so you're working on a web app one day and, and then for one product, and now you're working on a, you know, dashboard for a mobile app, you know, for mm -hmm. in another project. And maybe you're, you know, working on an internal something for another, another project. So, so there's a lot of different, you know, a lot of different types of sort of variety. Um, and there's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's efficient insofar as there's usually no downtime. Uh, when a project wraps up, mm -hmm. what's the next project in the queue? Who's mm -hmm. available? Take the project. Boom, boom, boom. So, yeah, uh, there's, there's, there's really never any, any downtime. So that's, that's sort of project based UX work. Would you say that that is historically <clears throat> since the dawn of the UX profession <laughs> has, has that been, has the majority of UX work done been on a project basis in your, I think list? up to a certain point in time it was. And then well, it's I like, it, it's like total carbon emissions by humanity. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, I, so, so yeah. you, you, you kind of get the backlog in there. But so. then it changed. Yeah. There was so let's talk about which that changed. Let's talk about the other, uh, the change, way, the way of doing things. Um, some people may be very familiar with all of this. Some people maybe never thought about things in this mm -hmm. particular way. I don't know. Um, so the second way of doing work is, uh, you know, it's team-based, squad-based, group-based. You you have you have other words for it. Tra agile. Agile. Well, yeah, fine. But um, uh, what's the what's the Spotify? Well, Spotify apparently has a very famous model of doing this. Oh, they yeah. I mean, it's I don't know. I think it's called Spotify Agile. But um, you know, squads. You have agile squads. And, and the difference, I think, between what you were talking about before, which is UX projects, right, Vert versus uh, a team or squad approach, um, there's so many differences. But one of the main differences is that, it, and this might just be, you know, a mental model thing my idea of a UX project is there's UX work that somebody has decided needs to be done. And so the UX person, either on their own or with other people, is going to get that work done. But the, the basis, the description of the work is the UX activities that are going on, whatever those are, research, design, whatever. In the other approach, the squad approach, I think, to me, the underlying assumption is there's UX work going on, but that's not the purpose, you know, of the team or the squad. The UX is a, UX person is a member of the squad, and the main purpose of the squad is to do things that are not UX-based. 
So I think the purposes are really different, and that that uh, to me that changes a lot. Yeah, um, there are uh, one of the reasons um, that squads have become more popular is because agile has sort of meant that the uh, it's sort of a heliocentric model of doing things where the sun does do you know what heliocentric is yeah but i'm not sure how it applies to this situation uh, so helios right that's the that's the sun yes so the with copernicus and his heliocentric <laughs> model of the solar system i like this this will be can we come up with a new <laughs> agile model and call it the agile helios model uh, it, that's what agile is. So the I know heliocentric that uses that term. Agile, yeah. It, it, basically, um, the development teams, the programmers, are the sun. Yes. And everything else sort of revolves around, revolves that. around that. And so the 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 more agile is rolled out across across the organization, the larger that solar system gets, and the more sort of uh, you know bodies. Uh, are rotating around uh, that sun. And so uh, as Agile kind of becomes company-wide and the UX teams start to revolve around the developer schedules, the developer initiatives, the, you know, that that sort of, um, I don't know, that that important, you know, that that that's setting the stage for everything else. Um, the you know UX teams get sort of added to whatever the development team is doing, and so you end up with these squads where the developers are working on stuff, and then uh, instead of the developers working on stuff and putting it in a queue, and then the UX team working on stuff and sending that you know as the queue gets filled out, sending that back to the developer team. Uh, rather, you just have them work in parallel. So supposedly. Yeah, supposedly. <laughs> <laughs> but the the UX, the UX team is you know is placed into a squad. Yeah, I mean it's and it's the projects. A, yeah, you know you're not the team is not doing projects. He's the squad just UX works on projects. stuff on That's a continual correct. basis. That so um, one of the cons is that if there's a gap in stuff, sometimes you know teams are you just sitting around. You know we're waiting on the so and so to approve the such and such. And yeah, we're going to need these, you know, we're going to need the wireframes of the redesign, but you know, that first we got to go do the whatever analysis and we're waiting to hear back from the business people about if they want X or Y, you know, so, uh, so, so in theory, there's more, um, there's more gaps, there's more chops. It's not as, you know, okay, onto the next, onto the next, onto the next. The pro being, uh, you do save some of the, um, there's some soft skill time saved. So your you, the team in theory becomes very familiar working together. You know who you, your stakeholder is. You don't need to, uh, you know, when normally in a, in a, in a, in a well-functioning UX kind of team, you know, when a new project comes in, you would have all this information like, uh, you would have, would you call it, what is it? The, the spec sheet? Is that, is that what you, what you would call it? No. Okay. But go ahead, keep going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would you call it? What? The sheet uh, with all the information about the work? Mm-hmm. 
I would probably call it a project summary or UX strategy Fine. summary or something like that. I like calling it a specification sheet, but okay, I'm probably in the minority. Uh, but that would have, uh, you know, what's to be done, who the stakeholder is, what's the time frame, yeah. you know. Now, the most purpose. of the time, teams don't get that. <laughs> They're just like, hey, okay, we'll work on the project now, right? Yeah. And then they have to spend the time to have a meeting with the stakeholders, figure out the timetable, do a lot of the project management stuff that you, that UXers often are sort of roped into doing because this, that's a really good point. No UXers. one else is doing it. You know, I I had a conversation with someone yesterday about that. It's about about the idea that you know I think I don't know it's di probably different in in different places, but what I've seen is that. You know, there's a lack of of good project management. There's a lack of good product management, and sometimes you're right that uh, it's like I, I don't know whether the the squad or the team looks at the UX person and says, "Well, why don't you, you do this?" or just expects them to do it, or whether the U, UX people in particular don't like vacuums and so when they see that there's <laughs> you know nobody's doing this they just step up and do it but i think i think well, but I'll, also i think because so much of you know if you're a developer and you just need to like code the login there's stuff you can be working on whereas if you're a uxer so many things you know uh, development they're so good at at writing a thing that's separate from the other thing and they can do it separately. You can be working on stuff, and then you, yeah, you'll tie it in later. You'll you'll you know pass that data back to the database in some form once you figure out what you're doing. But there's like stuff you can work on, and so much on the UX side is like no, no, no. Yeah, you, you can't, can't do anything do until you know A, B, C, D, E, yeah, and F. Yeah. And, and, and so, so it's, it's all dependent up, on each other. Right. And so you end up being the one that is pulling that all together, or like you said, instead of sitting around waiting for your next task. Because you're waiting on other people, you'd go do some of the things that nobody's doing, you know. Yeah. Um, and well, I don't the think thing by things you mean like the project management, project things. management, or product road mapping, or you know. Yeah. But which, by the way, I don't think this is a good a good idea. I mean, the advice I was given someone earlier in the week was perfectly fine to point out where what's missing, but that doesn't mean you have to jump in and do it. So, because I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, no, um, no, no. I don't think that's a smart thing, but so go oh yeah, Keep going. Okay. So the, the thing about, um, uh, you know, this, this sort of, uh, so, so when you're doing, I'm just, I'm just wrapping up the squad pros and kind of pros and cons here. Yeah. Uh, when you're doing the, um, the, the squad way, yeah, you, you get to sort of avoid, some of the potential uh, repeat, repeated uh, bureaucratic tape that you have to deal with in the project. So the project comes in, and the first thing that you have to do, right, is figure out that spec sheet or that project uh, description, figure out who the stakeholders is, make sure everyone's on the same page, get the timetables right, make sure you understand, you know, what success means for the project, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and then, you know, then you're working with people and it's a back and forth and you maybe figure out a good rapport. 
and then you ship it out and that's great. And then a new project comes in and you start all over again and you have to, you know, you're doing that all over again. So the, so, so people who would sort of, uh, laud the squad, um, thing say, well, there's soft stuff, right? You, on one part, page one, you're saving some of the project management time. And part two, in theory, because you're working with the same developers over and over and over again, and same project people over and over and over again, same marketing people over and over again, if it's truly like the huge, like we're all on one squad, then in theory, the UX team or the whole squad can sort of develop a rapport, develop standards about how they work. Everyone knows what they're doing. Everyone knows who to talk to. Every, you know, it's it's the same as any other team that's been working together for a long time. The more you work together, the more efficient you're going to be because you kind you know exactly what you know the other person is going to do even before they have to say what they're going to do. Um, so there's an efficiency that's sort of gained uh, there. Other benefits of the squad stuff is, uh, for better or for worse, it does um, dilute the uh, UX whining about everything. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yeah, I know. I know you're saying what. What do you mean? Anyway, what do you mean, though? Uh, So from a non-UX perspective, okay, I'm a project manager. I'm a developer. I have a lot on my plate. I would just like to get this stuff out the door. Right, I am trying to iterate quickly. I'm trying to move. I'm trying to get stuff done, like, um, like, like the outcome, like whatever. It's gonna be fine. Like, it doesn't matter. And so I send it over to the UX team, and now they're coming back. Now ah, we gotta do. We want to do research on this, and I don't think you should do it this way. And oh, like no one's gonna be able to read that. And it's like all this stuff I don't want to hear. And what I would really like to do is just like keep it moving, you know. And so. By if you if you get ten UXers in a room all ta- working on something, they're going to find a thousand million problems because there's always problems. So if what we can do instead is break them up into little sections of like one <laughs> and two, then then they'll just kind of keep it going, and we don't have to you know we're going to have less sort of you know. Oh, uh, this is so painful, <laughs> but true. But true, isn't it true? Do you? Yeah, it uh, (laughs) absolutely is true. And I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that, you know, it's, it's really, maybe it's totally uninteresting question about is that, is that one reason or the reason why someone thought up, let's, let's uh, add UX people to the agile squads, you know, we'll embed them in the squads. Uh, put put a pit in that. I'll talk about that in a second. One person at a time, because it'll dilute them, and we won't have to put up with the whining anymore. I mean, you know, it's. I don't know that people consciously did that, but now that you bring it up, maybe oh, yeah. they did. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's so 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 it kind of. Um, it, but then that's I not thought to- they wanted UX work in, done in their squads, and they thought this would be the most efficient way to do it because everything else is being done in the squad, and so the UX person should just be a member of the squad. So let's talk about the squad system, pros and cons, and agile in general. So my rule, my my understanding about why agile has been successful and why it's not perfect, but why it has been adopted almost everywhere, is that uh, it is a floor 
razor. It's not a ceiling razor necessarily. It's a floor razor. So if you have a, a dysfunctional team that does not work well together, if you have bad corporate processes, if you have bad um, systems in place. I.e. if you're normal. Yeah, without the right resources. Um, Which is what, before are, Agile. Endemic. There's a low floor. Like if you don't have your stuff together, software development is just going to be a pain. Project development, UX work, it's just going to be a pain. And you probably have lots of memories working on projects that went way over budget. You know, it'd be delayed by months and months and months and go far over and then have to be redesigned. And the end result was not good. Like, like the floor is, is much lower. Now, the ceiling... I don't know if an agile ceiling is higher. Maybe an agile ceiling is even lower. Actually, um, I, that could be you know debated by the philosophers. But uh, certain, but but so so if you have a well working team with a lot of really great people and good systems in place, and everyone sort of understands what's going on, um, you know, and you do a UCD process and you kind of take your time and blah blah blah, the end result. Uh, might even be better than the agile result because you'll have a, a something that maybe will last twice as long and you won't have to be redesigned every, you know, 18 months and, you know, th this and that and this and that. Um, so, so, so I think part of the problem that happens in the discussion of agile versus not agile is, you know, like, like you're talking, there's a little bit of apples and oranges. Do you have like a well-functioning team because if you do, then maybe UCD and having a dedicated UX team just working on stuff like, like now you're really empowering experts to leverage the most out of you know their expertise. But if you don't have a well-functioning team and you don't have a good process and blah blah blah, well now Agile looks like the most amazing thing that mankind has ever invented because you went from this totally inefficient, bloated, late expensive process to look at, we're just like moving stuff out the door constantly with this, with, with agile. So, um, I think the, you know, what is best and what is worst sort of depends. And I think what we're sort of finding is that for quote, most normal companies, everything's kind of a mess. So, you know, 80, 90% of the time, the agile system is sort of either the same or getting better results because you're cutting out all the, the disaster that it's a lot of places, but for for the for for the good places, it's actually maybe a bad thing, um, and and they you know they shouldn't go that way. Uh, so so that's so in general, when it comes to squads and when it comes to agile, I do think it's a floor raiser, um, not necessarily a ceiling raiser. So because of that, uh, if you have the UX team uh, as part of the agile squads. What you'll probably see is you'll probably see lots. You'll see the same. You'll see the same thing that you get when you use agile software development, which is more progress, um, but not necessarily better progress. And you'll see uh, you'll probably be able to get more stuff out the door uh, quicker, but you might not be solutioning as well as if you just start, you know, with a huge UX team tackling a big problem from scratch. Does that, does that sound fair? It does. It does sound fair. Although I think there is a, uh, you know, a middle way. 
Uh, yeah, sure. What do you got for your for your middle way? Because yeah, I mean, I I, I think you've I think you're right, and then, and you know each different ways of doing work, different ways of involving UX, um, and different ways of actually just doing development have their pros and cons and and their risks. And a- absolutely, it is true that. I saw personally, and there was data, lots of data on this as well, you know, but I, over my career before Agile, um, it was not uncommon at all to have a, a multi-million dollar expenditure on developing pro- software product uh, that never saw the light of day and it was worked on for two to three years uh, and then was abandoned um, for multiple reasons. Uh, a lot of times being just that since, since two or three years had gone by, <laughs> the whole technology underpinning platform now was changed. And if we went ahead with that, you know, and and kudos to the people who were willing to overcome their sunk cost bias and yeah. <laughs> and let it go, you know, instead of saying, no, we've invested $3 million, we're taking it to the end, it, you know, even though that means spending $3 million more and, and having crap when you're done, you know, at least they said, no, we're stopping now and switching. But there was, yeah, projects took a very long time. Um, and that was not, this is, doesn't have anything to do with you know, it's not because UX was involved and so therefore the projects went over budget and over time. I mean, this was just that, you know, and this is the bad rap that waterfall software development methodologies have. Um, I, you know, you know, you know, Guthrie, I'm not a huge fan of Agile for a variety of reasons and primarily for the impact it has on UX. Um but I understand why it is, you know, I think the software process is used 97% of development or something crazy like that. But I do think there's a middle way because I do, I think you're right. I think that when you embed a UX person on an agile team, I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all uh, to have a UX person there and available and part of the team. But it does mean that there are, um, UX things that don't happen and don't get done that are important. It does mean that maybe, maybe uh, yes. The third way. Okay, I, I have I have the I have the nickname for it. By the way, do continue. the middle way. Yeah, no, I got I got a better name. Yes, go. But get, you continue. Well, I don't know. Do you know anything about Buddhism? Uh, sure. <laughs> and so there's it, that phrase, the middle way, is part of. Oh, okay. I did, okay. I did not, it, I did not get that. Clearly, I don't oh, know yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that much. The idea, well, I'm not going to go into a discussion of Buddhism, although I did study it for a while. I am not an expert, but it's just a phrase that's used the middle way. Um, so it is, so pro, what I have seen that works best right now, just accepting that uh, all almost all development work is being done on agile teams, uh, I and I and I think if you're going to have agile squads, 
I hope you have a UX person embedded in with the team and part of the team. However, um, there is UX work that does not lend itself well to the whole agile team thing. And it is primarily the issue you brought up, which is, hey, we got to do like, there's like solutioning ideas and there's research ideas before stuff goes into development before people start working on features, there might be some UX work that you really need to do ahead of time. And so the middle way is to have some groups working on what we would traditionally call UX projects um, to do that research, to do that solutioning, to do that uh, initial design work before it goes into, uh, before a development team squad starts working on it. Um, so what I like to, what I call it is I call it the, the strike force. Strike so, force. So, I like yeah, that. Yeah. That's yeah. So project and squad and strike force. Yes, absolutely. Um, so Which, yeah. So, yeah, so you have, like you have, you have a small, uh, embedded, you know, UX, you know, you know, people on, on the teams to help do some of the day to day and keep the yep. lines of communication and do the small stuff. But then you reserve in reserve, you have a couple, uh, UXers on a strike force. Yeah. And so if there's a particular project that's big or important or needs extra work or blah, 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 it needs experts or whatever it or is. Or it needs, it needs, you know, that solutioning, it needs to go through a design thinking process. It needs conceptual modeling. It needs, you know, you need to, you have three squads that are working on pieces of a big thing and you need the big thing mapped out, right? Yeah. From a UX point of view. Yeah. I like the strike force. This is very good. Yeah. So, yeah. so that is the, uh, uh, so, so you kind of, you kind of get the best of both worlds and the strike force is on a project basis. So they get yes. a project and then, okay, that's, that's wrapping up What where yes. are we, you know, where, where does the strike force need to go next? Yep. Yep. Yep, and, and and that's I mean that's that's a smart way of doing it. If I was in charge, which I'm not, so how do you? Yeah, I like that way of doing it. I think, um, you know, in the consulting work that we've been doing, I we've never phrased it that way. So now I think we should start phrasing strike it force that way. Delta, Delta strike force. But um, you know, we've been introducing that idea. I think it's been. I think people see, you know, the development people we've been working with, development, you know, people who are managing development groups, I think they see the value of that middle way combined approach, but it's not, doesn't, it's not, they don't think of it normally. So I think if you're a UX person in an organization, you're probably going to have to introduce the idea. I don't think it's, because they're just not used to thinking that way. So, yeah, I like that that strike force. There has to be a agile development version of this as of well. Of a strike force? Yeah, that like I would where, think so. I where would like think there's so. like a like a roving team that, you know, hey, so and so is behind. 
I where, don't, well, we're working yeah, on but that. that's different. You know, it's interesting. It's interesting. Oh. I don't know. And the reason I'm not sure is that, you know, the whole thing about Agile is the team gets together to output deliverable working product. And the strike for the UX strike force idea you're talking about, you know, when you're done with the strike force project, you, you have whatever it was you needed. Like you have the blueprint, you have the, the well, conceptual model, you have a, a, a high level prototype or you have, but you don't have, you didn't deliver anything. You didn't deliver code. And I think agile is all wrapped around, yeah, you know, delivering code and, and in a strike force. No. The, the only thing I'll say, there's so many thought leaders in the agile space. I feel like yeah, it's sort of like somebody the metaverse probably, where like, yeah. yeah, like the end, there's infinite universes and there like are. every combination of potential ad ways that ways you could make an agile team. They have someone, been talked someone about. Someone has a 45 minute presentation yes. about in you know some sort the of the agile conference. strike force yeah, probably yeah, they, yes or or it's or it's or it's the task force or it's the the cavalry reserve or it's the whatever the <laughs> sort of macho that's male okay terminology is i do i am not putting myself out there as an agile coach okay i'm talking about ux we're talking about ux we're talking about the best way to do ux so but you're probably right i think there are infinite flavors of doing agile and <laughs> infinite people talking about it. I really right? like this laughing? one. What? Uh, the uh, the the four the four stages of group development. Yeah. Stage one is forming. Stage yeah. two is storming. Stage mm-hmm. three is norming, and oh, stage yeah. four is performing. Okay, I don't like it. Who came up with that? I don't know. Like I said, so like there's always like catchy whatever. Like they use a million different. You know, there's like is, do it so you could do a rap, forming, storming, norming, thing? and performing. Okay. Um, uh, I mean, it makes sense, you know. So forming. Either that, or it has to have unclear have processes have that are not well established. Hands. You get figure figure it out. You get the high level guidance. Storming. You you understand. Norming. Relationships you know, can can I can I just bring up one other thing? Uh-huh. Um, I mean, you know, there are there are uh, people who do agile coaching. Obviously, there are people who do agile UX coaching. In fact, we we know someone who does that. Um, but if you don't have if you are a UX person and you are embedded in an agile team and you don't have a coach or mentor to help you with this, I I really do encourage you to come, you know, just like Guthrie's saying, you know, uh, there are infinite number of ways to do this, right? Uh, to do any, anything involved with agile. Um, so there are different ways to do, to be an effective agile person person within uh, UX person within an agile squad or team. And uh, in the absence of a forming, norming, performing, or whatever that was plan in your squad, you may need to do that. You may need to come up with, okay, here's how 
I'm going to be effective as a UX person. And, you know, I'm going to say, Guthrie, part of the whole agile thing is that everybody, you know, each squad self um, organizes their work. So, I, you know, you're empowered. I want to empower you, anyone who's listening, to um, be an empowered UX person on that squad. And if you come up with, and and we have ideas that we can maybe cover in another, in another uh, podcast episode, Guthrie, about you know how how to how to be an empowered UX person within an agile squad. That's a good topic. You should write that down. Um, but you may have to be the leader. The the individual UX person on the squadron may have to be the leader and say, oh, here's how I'm going to self-organize my work, guys, and, you know, work with the rest of the team on this. So um, Atlassian in their sort of agile, Atlassian has awesome stuff on agile that's free and open to the public. There's so many good ideas and methodologies and comments about all kinds of stuff in there. So if you're looking for just the, Whenever Ideas. I'm looking for like the bread and butter, yeah, you, you go know, to Atlassian. I, I, yeah. I go to Atlassian because yeah. they're yeah, their stuff's great. Um, so in their topics, they have a design topic, and it's collab collaborative design and agile teams. And um, it's you know question seven: What are some of the challenges you face working within an agile framework? And the answer seven: uh, Learning to let go of perfection and instead produce fast iterative work is the biggest challenge. As a designer, you always want to create a high-quality work, but you need to be okay with shipping something that's ninety percent there, and then improving it. And okay, I, uh, oh no, yeah, no, yeah, 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 no, yeah. I know, no, I know. I just, uh, I, I know. I, <laughs> yeah, that, that is what it says at the Atlassian. Okay, well then we're not gonna I, listen to Atlassian anymore. Here is no, the, no, no. We have to. Okay, they're but the, here's the problem with what you just the, said. The, well, no, no, I don't. I'm not saying you have to agree with that. I'm saying you just in, have to. They're, in they're an important practice, voice. here's the problem with what you yes. just said. Number one, uh, great. If what was coming out was ninety percent good, but from a UX perspective, not from a coding. I, I'm not going to say, but from a UX perspective. I think what often comes out is nowhere near 90%. I would love 90%. We're, we're talking about 50, 60, maybe if you're lucky, 70% uh, of what it should be from a UX point of view. So that's number one problem with that. Because it's real easy to just take that trope and say, yes, well, see, I'm not going perfect. I'm going for 90%. Yeah, but you know, you're not at 90%. So that's problem number one. Number two, the other part of what you said was, what, ha, read it again. Read yeah, it yeah. again. As a designer, you always want to create high quality work, but you need to be okay with shipping something that's 90% there and then improving it. That's the other problem. Yeah. The improving it part never so happens. It doesn't happen. Never sure. happens. Not, not for designers. Right. Not, not for UX may, teams. I'm I'm sure some of it happens in terms of. But, uh, the, oh, we developers do bug and fixes, and it's not working. Right, bug fixes. But from the UX side, oh, 
we we shipped it. Design then side. we did user testing on it, and then we discovered that some of the UX things need to change. Oh, so now we're going back and making those changes. Wow, I see, I'm sure it happens somewhere, but I see such such small amounts of that happening. If anyone's even I, I, the norm I see is it gets shipped, and then if if the UX person says, "Okay, now I'm going to schedule." A, u- a user test to check it. It just doesn't even happen. So that's the problem with that statement. It sounds so nice. It solves so many problems, but it's not real. It's, now let me real. let me give you a potential uh, uh, argument then for the squad system. If you're on a project basis, once that project is over, that project is over. And the door is closed. And theoretically, and I don't, I'm not saying it happens, but theoretically, if you're a, a designer, I'm not even say UX person, a designer working on a squad, and the squad is responsible for the, you know, Suss and Shuts product app, you know, and you have a list of here's all the priority stuff that we want to do. It's like, well, we really wanted to make this page better. And we worked on it for a bit. Now we're doing something else, but like that page is not perfect yet. On the backlog, in the you know, in the various things, you can put okay. Let's go back and spruce that page up. And yeah. theoretically, theoretically, on a squad, you can come back to it because there is no the project doesn't end. Oh, okay, okay. But we have lots of theoretically's on there. Oh, First of all, it goes. Does it really make it on the backlog? Second, does it ever get promoted from the backlog into something someone's working on? Thirdly, thirdly, you are acting like the squad's gone forever, and they don't. Squads. Well, they're are, supposed to. Squads are very prone to being totally stripped apart and reconfigured. In it and is now a, they're working on an, something totally different. One or, of the. Yeah, one of the problems with Agile, which is really interesting because there is sort of like a, it's like um, I was reading an article yesterday uh, by, do you know iFixit? Uh, no. iFixit is the leader in <laughs> uh, repairing technology. So, for example, they sell um, kits that have all the the weirdo screwdrivers so that you can oh, open okay. up all the yeah, phones yeah, yeah. and they'll sell replacement parts for batteries and okay. cameras. And, yeah. you know, their, their, their whole mission is the, uh, like there's so much e-waste that gets generated because there's a simple, you know, okay, your screen cracked. Well, okay. I just throw the phone out versus, well, I'll just get the screen fixed. And yeah. so they have ratings and reviews about, uh, they, they rank every, basically like every kind of product as to how repairable it is. Okay. And if it's not repairable, they're like, don't get it. Cause if anything goes wrong, right, you're, you're out money, you can, you yeah. know, whereas, you know, but I, I don't know if you remember cell phones, um, you know, you, just the battery's bad. You take two seconds and you pop a new battery in there. No problem. Okay. So they recently, um, when the iPhone 14 came out, they had a originally gave it a seven on the repairability index, which is pretty good because there were just a couple of screws. You could pop it off. You could do the thing. And Apple was providing re, uh, replacement parts. And one of the biggest problems is most of the time, um, you know, you can't like 
like the phone locks down. If you use like a non-official part, the phone will be like, this isn't official and like won't turn on and stuff. So Apple's doing all that kind of stuff. But then Apple's like, well, we'll, we'll provide all the replacement parts. Um, okay, well, it turns out actually that you can't just order them. You have to be like an official Apple, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you have to license it from the whatever, mm-hmm. blah, 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 official Apple. And then if you get it, you have to do it using like the official Apple repair machinery. And you have to like authorize, you have to authorize the hardware to talk to an Apple database that you're going to do the repair and sync it with the part number that you're going to repair it in. And so if Apple ever turns those servers off, then none of it will work. It's like, it is... So, so they went back and they changed the repairability of the device from a seven to a four because they said, look, you can repair these phones, but because of all this, the limitations and the yeah. this and the that and the this, it, it ends up being not your repairability really. is not a seven. It's actually a four because yeah. of the process, the, the actual in the field options that people yeah. have. Whereas the just the repairability of the phone itself as a product is actually pretty good. Yeah. So um, I think what happens, you know, the the agile, everything is so agile. Everything is like moving around so much. That also, I feel, kind of happens with the process. And there's always a new exec who's coming in. It's like, we're going to institute this version of agile and we're re, we're going to, these two teams are merging and okay, we're going to get rid of this thing. And we're going to, now we're all working on like a, this cadence and okay, now, now, now these four teams are going to be one big team. We're yes. going to call it a mega yes. team. And yes. So like, like, like there's a lot of churn in there. And part of the whole the cell of the squads is that, there's familiarity. You get to work with the same people over years. Right. You'll have Reality, the stability. Yeah, but, but if matter. but if you're redoing all the projects every and the teams and the squads every not every three months, but every I mean every year, we'll just yeah. say right. Yeah. Like actually, no, you're now now you're just doing now now you're just having the same churn, and you have and every time you set up a new team, right? You have all that overhead of getting the process yeah. up and getting up to speed on the products and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, so in, in some ways, if you do agile in a chaotic environment, you may end up with like the project project basis with like with extra steps. Yeah. That, well, you end up like with the worst of each of yeah. the two ways, not the best of each way. Yeah. 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 I think, I think that's um, all right. So I really like two phrases you came up with today. Go three. One is the strike force. Strike force. UX strike force team. Yeah. UX strike force. And then the other one is um, agile chaos. I, th- I think that's it. Uh, well, and don't forget the heliocentric and model. Heliocentric model. Agile model. Agile model. Uh, one other thing that really works is which, so. Which we could use an acronym would be HAM. <laughs> which I like that's, too. That's good. Yeah, the HAM. Um, <laughs> we're talking about HAM today. Uh, so one, one last little thought about the heliocentric model is, you know, the sun is not static, right? The sun is moving along a path in the Milky Way, sort of rotating around the Milky Way. Okay. So, so the sun is moving in a direction. We're sort of all moving around the sun. So the agile team is like moving in a direction, right? And, um, you know, the designers, they're out in the, the outer ring, the outer belt. There's some little you know, planetoid yeah. out there. And if they make a stink about things, right, you can think about that planet sort of wobbling, <laughs> right? And the wobble, the, the gravitational change of the wobble will like 
the sun will like change like a half a percent as it responds to the gravitational wobble of like an outer planetoid. Right. But like, but like, it's not, you know, and then it kind of gets back into alignment and just continues on its course. I do sort of think that's probably sort of an accurate uh, description of, 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 uh, of things that like, if the U- UX team makes a big, makes a big stink of things that it creates like a wobble, a wobble, a wobble. A nobody wobble. wants it's, a wobble. No one wants a wobble, and then the wobble gets sort of ironed out, and then it's a just UX kind of, wobble. A UX wobble. So now we have four <laughs> things: we have the ham, the strike force, agile chaos, and the UX wobble. You're very creative today. Uh, you guys have been doing all the podcasts last oh, couple so times, you, right? You had so. time to to think. All right, so Guthrie, if people have comments uh, about our topic and want to talk to us about it, how do they reach us? Um, you can email us at info at the teamw.com. Uh, and I also just want to add, I don't know if anyone is still listening. Maybe we should have done this at the at the front. <laughs> um, we have uh, we have some contractors that are that will that are uh, wrapping up a project the end of this year and so they're really good senior ux people um you know research design strategy ux strategy agile. All the good stuff. agile and you know ux methodologies uh really really good talented people yeah. so if anyone uh, is interested in bringing contractors on uh get in touch um again you email info at the com. so uh, we're looking for uh for for sort of homes for these A people new home to land. For some of these people yeah to land as we as we kind of looked into booking um, the end of this year in 2024. So, uh, get in touch if you're, in, if you're interested at all, um, for the one person who's still listening. Uh, thank you <laughs> at the, at the, at the end of the, at the end of the podcast. So, uh, we appreciate that. Thanks Guthrie. Thank you. Bye.